Facial recognition algorithms have become so good that technology has found its way into a large number of applications, including surveillance. The project on government oversight has been following the privacy issues associated with facial recognition. Joining me with what Pogo thinks ought to concern federal officials, Pogo's senior counsel, Jake LaPeruque. Jake, good to have you back. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Tell us what you've looked at with respect to facial recognition, because it is finding its way into the government in a lot of places. Yeah, so we're, we're looking at um, the range of, of uses that are um, start, starting to pile up for law enforcement, both at the federal level, um, the FBI, this is a major tool for them, and then state and locals where there's um, unfortunately not much transparency about what's going on, but from what we've seen, an increasing number of departments are using it. It's really a wild west out there. There's no rules, no limits, um, and, and that's not how we treat pervasive surveillance technologies. You know, we have warrants for things like wiretaps, warrants for things like placing bugs, conducting searches. Um, we have independent oversight, judicial approval, uh, and a lot of things we have limits to the most serious crimes so that it can't be used in an overly discretionary or abusive fashion. Facial, facial recognition right now, it's really um, anything goes as far as the way government uses it because there are no rules in place. Well, just to play devil's advocate, could facial recognition simply be seen as a way of augmenting people just watching crowds and looking for people? It's a matter of of the scale and power of the tool. Um, I mean, we're talking about fundamentally changing uh, the government's power to observe individuals and and to stockpile data um, about them and what they're doing. So it, it really is like nothing we've seen before. I mean, it, even if every police officer in America had a photographic memory, and, and if that was the case, I bet we'd probably have some different rules about what police can do because of that power. Um, you know, it, it would take police officers years to really just scan through and memorize all the photos that a facial recognition algorithm scans through in a second. Sure. And are you seeing this interest more at the federal level or at the state and local level? You know, there's been a bit of both. At the federal level, uh, there recently were two hearings held in the House Oversight Committee. Uh, lawmakers on both sides of the aisle were very, very concerned about this and seemed very eager to take action on it. Um, I, I don't recall a time I've seen such sort of bipartisan enthusiasm about, hey, let's all get together and fix this. Um, at the state and local level, it's a bit more hodgepodge, but there are some states and localities that are a bit more aware of the issues and are trying to um, take them on. Uh, San Francisco just banned use of facial recognition by law enforcement. Uh, Massachusetts is considering a similar moratorium proposal on it. Uh, a number of other states are, per, are considering laws that would enact um, smaller level but some limits on it. So it is starting to, I think, come to the forefront um, in a lot of places. Well, is there a legitimate use for it? In other words, suppose there was a system by which, say, a crowd could be scanned at a stadium and if a perpetrator that was sought was found and then the database was disposed of or something after that point. Is that, I mean, what are the legitimate uses of it? There could be some legitimate uses. That example you cite probably isn't one of them. Um, It's actually the type of example I'm most worried about because um, that type of we call real-time or untargeted facial recognition, we are not... Um, taking a single person trying to identify them but scanning a whole crowd against a watch list is very, very prone to inaccuracy. Um, The U.K., they've been running pilots of this type of system. In Wales, the police department did a pilot. They found that it falsely identified individuals 91% of the time. London had a 98% misidentification rate. So if you're scanning that crowd, you're a lot more likely to be sending law enforcement to grab um, and, you know, potentially have a problematic interaction with innocent individuals and actually catch 
um, someone who's dangerous. And there have been documented problems with the algorithms, I understand, with respect to racial differences. Yeah, that's another serious problem. And that happens even when we are looking at targeted um, specific places where you're just looking at a profile of one person. But because of the way the algorithms are built, the data sets systems tend to perform much poorly um, when trying to identify women and people of color. Um, but a real-time scenario where you're looking through that crowd, um, you know, for all demographics because of the field conditions, lighting, angle, movement, camera resolution, it just it tends to get things wrong a lot of the time. And legitimate uses would probably be more along the lines of if you're trying to confirm someone's identity after they've been arrested and already being subject to mugshot and booking, just confirming their identity. Or if you, for investigative uses, have a particular image where you're trying to get an ID and you put a lot of checks in place to make sure that if there are mistakes, um, that you're not putting too much weight on this. So having things like a probable cause requirement, we have to go to a judge and say, this is why we need to identify this person. Um, requiring things like human review to make sure that you don't put too much evidentiary weight on systems that can be very faulty, but it's hard to identify where the fault lines are. Um, you know, if an eyewitness is 200 feet away compared to 10 feet away and it was dark at night, it's very obvious why that um, account is not quite as valuable. If there's a bunch of small errors within a facial recognition algorithm, we're not going to be able to see that naturally in the same way. So you need to put checks in place to stop over-relying on things like that. We're speaking with Jake LaPeruque, Senior Counsel for the Constitutional Project at the Project on Government Oversight. So in your testimony to Congress, what do you advise them to do? We uh, recently published um, a task force report. This was from a wide array of stakeholders, civil rights and civil liberties advocates, academics, tech experts, um, and some current and former members of law enforcement. Um, They all came to the conclusion that this technology needs a set of serious limits, um, some of which I've talked about, um, requiring warrants, um, limiting this to serious crimes, requiring human review. They also thought that it should be totally cut off for body cameras um, because of the fact that you don't have the opportunity for any sort of outside reviewer look and you're just putting officers in a situation of requiring, of immediately responding to a shot computer system. That's not going to be good for anyone. Um, And also transparency, testing standards, rules for how accurate the systems have to be that are run through independent testing agencies like NIST. Um, They thought were critical to, if there's going to be any type of use of this, making sure that it's properly limited and And properly checked. What about private industry use of it? Should there be a regulatory framework around that? Because you can imagine, given all of the privacy problems surfacing with the big digital companies, uh, what if they had facial recognition or what if some sort of organization had that and could discriminate or whatever? Yeah, those are, those are definitely issues. I mean, there's a lot of data privacy issues that come up with it. Um, and there's a lot of, like you said, like you know, discriminatory impact, those issues. I view the two as fairly separate, not because of the concerns. I think there's a lot of overlapping concerns, but because the remedies will be somewhat different. Um, you know, for private entities using this, I think um, a lot of the framework is going to be built around notification, consent, um, requirements to opt into systems before they can be used. You know, surveillance obviously doesn't work like that. The whole point of surveillance is you're monitoring someone without telling them and without getting their approval. Um, so the system, uh, you know, they're, they're both need checks, but they definitely need uh, different types of ones, but just based on how they work. Something I do worry a lot about, though, is when these types of things bleed together. When you have consumer-side products 
that uh, employ facial recognition in a way that pulls in law enforcement. So this is something we're seeing more things like um, Amazon's Ring doorbell. Um, they're talking about building facial recognition to that and basically saying, like, you can upload our watch lists or you can build your own watch lists and, you know, it will call the cops if it sees people. Um, now, that might sound nice if you have someone who's been stealing packages and want to keep an eye out for them, but given the inaccuracy problems, I don't want, you know, the mailman or just someone who's dropping off flyers to get flagged as a dangerous criminal that and have your doorbell, you know, calling the police on them because the computer system misidentified them. And with respect to Congress and what we discussed a moment ago, are there any bills now pending? There right now is one bill on the private side for facial recognition in the Senate. There aren't any bills yet on the surveillance side, but the chairman and ranking member of the House Oversight Committee, that's Reps Cummings and Jordan, um, they were both very enthused about the idea of putting together legislation, so I would expect that will be coming shortly. Jake LaPeruk is senior counsel for the Constitutional Project at the Project on Government Oversight. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. Find links to more information and to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand and on your device. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.